A Shuttle to Trouble is part of Karina Bartow's Undefeated Detective series, which follows deaf detective Minka Avery. Minka is always striving to rise above her deafness, as well as her family's antics to crack the case. To catch up on the Avery family, check out Husband in Hiding and Brother of Interest, both available on Amazon. For further information on Karina and her books, visit KarinaBarto.com. Welcome to Mysteries to Die For. I am T.G. Wolf, and I'm here with Jack, my piano player and producer. This is a podcast where we combine storytelling with original music to put you at the heart of a mystery. Some episodes are original stories. Others will be classics that help shape the mystery genre we know today. All are structured to challenge you to beat the detective to the solution. These are arrangements, which means instead of word-for-word readings, you get a performance that's meant to be heard. Jack and I perform these live, front to back, no breaks, no fakes, no retakes. Support our show by subscribing, telling a mystery lover about us, and giving us a five-star review. And mystery readers, check out our print and ebooks. The companion to this season is available in ebook and trade paperback from online retailers. Purchase before the end of the season, that's the end of June 2023, for 20% off regular price. This is season five, Move It or Lose It. This season contains original stories paying homage to the vehicles that propel mysteries forward. A train was the setting for Agatha Christie's famed Murder on the Orient Express. A riverboat then took center stage on Death on the Nile and cars have been prominently featured in American crime stories with the glory of the getaway vehicle. Then there are the heists, from carriages to trains to armored trucks. For episode 10, one of those annoying shuttles that gets you around airport terminals is the featured vehicle. This is A Shuttle to Trouble by Karina Bartow. Chapter 1. Home Sweet Home for Some Minka Avery brushed aside a curl of her auburn locks and released a sigh of relief mixed with exhaustion. She exited the end of the bridge terminal and entered Orlando International Airport, which was busy with Saturday afternoon travelers. Her four-year-old daughter, Kayla, pranced beside her. The girl still bubbled with excitement about her surroundings. Having never flown before, she marveled at everything inside both the Jamaica and Orlando plane parks, as she called them. Even the not-so-amusing sights fascinated her. Look at the ball of gum on the window, Mama, Kayla exclaimed, prompting Minka to veer her the other way. Though the vacation didn't offer much time for relaxation, Minka had enjoyed seeing the world through her little one's eyes. Kayla drew attention to the simple things most adults overlooked. Minka's husband, Wes, often told his wife that their daughter inherited her skills and perception, which Minka put to good use in her days as a detective for the Orlando Police Department before she stepped aside to be a stay-at-home mom. Minka adjusted the volume up on the transmitter of her cochlear implant to compensate for the noisy environment. She regretted doing so almost immediately, 
when the extra notch tuned her into Lloyd Wells, the reason she'd turned it down in the first place. Seated a few rows behind her on the flight, Lloyd didn't have a great vacation and spent the whole flight letting everyone know that. Peering around, she observed that some of her fellow passengers quickened their steps to separate from him, and she followed suit. Before their flight even took off, the grumpy man lost everyone's favor when he threw a fit over people's coconut fragrances, which he claimed could send him into anaphylactic shock. His fervor didn't win him any friends, besides Wes. When Lloyd realized the lady next to him wore coconut lotion, Wes swooped in and offered to trade seats with her. Once on land, Wes stuck beside him and played his captive audience. Ahead of her and Kayla, Minka noticed their travel companions. Her brother and sister-in-law, Kale and Autumn Avery, halted their steps. Kale strayed off toward the men's room and Autumn told them, I have to use the restroom too. Does Kayla need to go potty? Kayla nodded emphatically and Minka replied, well, so do I, we'll, we'll stick with you. Minka sighed the word to restroom to clue West in and, gave, and he gave her a thumbs up. All the while, Lloyd continued to ramble, seeming oblivious to the rest of the family. He drifted away from her husband when he came upon a coffee stand that wasn't very busy. Minka took advantage of West being unoccupied, handing off the tote bag on her shoulder so she'd have more freedom of movement. Once the couple exchanged a few words, she and Kayla headed into the restroom. Meanwhile, Lloyd made it to the front of the line and placed his order, after which the unwitting barista told him, I'm sorry, sir, but we don't serve soy milk. Would you like coconut milk instead? A shade of dark red broke out on Lloyd's face as he unleashed his fury on her, hollering, What is it with all you hipsters and your obsession with that fruit or whatever it's termed? Let the jungle animals have it. That's all it's good for. Minka scurried along as her daughter's fidgeting grew more urgent. After they finished up, they found Autumn pripping her red hair and chatting by the sink with a young woman about her name, Colleen. Being four months pregnant and unaware of the baby's gender, Autumn doted on just about every name she heard people say along their travels, always asking its meaning. Like several before her, the girl didn't seem to appreciate the interruption and sped out as quickly as possible. Afterward, Minka and Kayla joined Wes, Kale, and Autumn, along with Lloyd. The clan ambled onto the tram that would shuttle them to the baggage claim and exit. Lloyd bantered some more with Wes about the barista and accused her of making his coffee extra hot. As they boarded the vehicle, Minka counted down the seconds until the ride would end and relieved them of Lloyd Wells for good. Wes and Lloyd took a seat on the back bench with everyone giving them their space. She recognized several others from the flight, all of whom looked ready to be done with Lloyd's company. Autumn and Kale stayed away and Minka followed them. She kept a firm grip on Kayla's head while the tram made its jersey. The little girl giggled over the experience the same way she had on their departure, delighting those around her. The shuttle traveled outside and above the patch of tarmac before it entered the main building. Moments ahead of the stop, Lloyd's voice faded away, making Minka glance around the cabin. He'd finally braved a sip of his coffee, which explained the moment of silence. He grimaced, indicating the piping hot temperature, and pulled a handkerchief out of his pocket to catch a drip on his mouth. Minka averted her eyes as the grouch returned to his grumbling, until he began to choke. 
His struggle quickly intensified, with him heaving and his face turning red. Is he sick? Kayla asked the throng of passengers. Minka kept quiet, but scooped Kayla up in her arms and assessed a game the tot liked on her phone, which suffices an ample distraction. Panic, Wes Rosen commanded, Stand up! I know the Heimlich! Being a policeman, Kale dashed toward them and asked, Are there any doctors here? No one responded in the affirmative. Lloyd remained seated and clenched his throat, dropping the handkerchief before he handed the coffee to Kale. Wes and his brother tried to help him rise to his feet, but Lloyd shook his head and cried, Coconut! Minka remembered hearing Lloyd inform Wes that he carried his EpiPen in the pocket of his cargo shorts, and before she could say it, Wes reached for the device. Not finding it in his right one, he switched to the left, but Lloyd batted his hand away and back to the right. Wes made another attempt but didn't meet with success. Does anyone have an EpiPen? Wes asked. With wide eyes, everyone wagged their heads. Wes bent down to inspect Lloyd's mouth, looking for any signs of a culprit. Kale beat on Lloyd's back, trying to help him. At last, the attack ended, but Lloyd didn't make any other sound. Wes touched Lloyd's wrist and confirmed he doesn't have a pulse. The tram doors opened, but nobody moved an inch. Chapter 2, The Coconut Cover-Up Despite the shocking turn, Kale maintained order, even keeping a steady grip on the coffee Lloyd handed him. He announced, I realize we all have places to go, but nobody can leave this tram until we get things sorted out. Murmuring ensued, with a guy protesting, Come on! He went into anaphylactic shock, just like he warned us. Wes emerged from his state of alarm, questioning into the air, but why? He, he talked about being so vigilant the entire trip. Minka sprang into investigator mode and passed Kayla off to Autumn, allowing her daughter to keep a hold of her phone. Kayla seemed engrossed in it enough not to realize the sick man died. Minka and Kale ducked out of the tram before they found an airport officer, Officer McKinsey, and asked for assistance. McKinsey stopped the tram from automatically departing and called for backup to help secure the scene. He also contacted his superiors about shutting down the airport. With Lloyd's drink still in hand, Kale eyed it and told Minka, this must have had coconut in it. She shook her head and related, I walked by the stand where he brought it, and he adamantly refused coconut milk when she offered it. He made a scene, if you can believe it. You don't say, he joked. He took the lid off the cup and sniffed the contents, reporting, I don't smell anything but coffee. Minka took a whiff and agreed, but she countered, Lloyd told Wes it doesn't take much. What if the barista slipped in just a spritz? He really gave her the business. I can imagine her getting angry. As they returned to the tram, an, announce, an announcement rang that an emergency was forcing them to ground all flights and shut the, down the complex. Frustrated outcries echoed throughout the expanse with Minka and Kale's fellow passengers scowling at them. Still, Minka noticed the vehicle wasn't as full as it had been when they left. Wes's apologetic look at her told her that they hadn't been able to stop them. Officer McKinsey and his backup arrived, followed by paramedics. The medics evaluated the victim, confirming his grim condition. Officer McKinsey and the other airport officers deferred to Kale due to his experience. They needed to consult with the Orlando Police Department anyhow, where Kale served. 
An officer stayed with the body as they awaited the medical examiner, while two others escorted the remaining passengers to the office to get their statements. Mika gave Wes a kiss goodbye as he, Autumn, and Kayla went with the officers. Afterward, Kayla and Minka rode to the terminal in a cart with Officer McKinsey. Along the way, Kale called his commanding officer and friend, Lieutenant Channing, to provide him with the details on the incident. Meanwhile, Officer McKinsey asked Minka, Are you Detective Avery's partner? I used to be, she replied, until I had my little girl. McKinsey cracked a smile, seeming to make the connection because of her distinctive voice. You were the deaf detective, weren't you? I remember hearing about you on the news years ago. I'm honored to meet you, ma'am. Thanks, Minka said. I'm sorry it had to be under these circumstances. After Kale wrapped up his phone call, McKinsey reported that the FAA agreed to shut down the airport for two hours. Minka checked the clock on her phone, releasing a nervous sigh. Once they reached the terminal, Minka guided Cal to the coffee stand. Mass confusion prevailed among the travelers who argued with equally perplexed airline bookers about the delay. Minka and Kale allowed the barista to finish making the drink she was preparing, but pulled her aside before she took another order. She offered a kind smile. How may I help you? Kale held up Lloyd's cup. A man ordered this about 15 minutes ago. Did you prepare it? If it came from here, I did, she said. I've been here all afternoon. Minka read her name tag and told her, Nina, this man was the one who griped about coconut milk. I overheard your exchange. Oh, yeah, Lloyd, right? I never had a reaction like that before, Nina replied, grinning. Did he upset you, Kale questioned? She shrugged. No, I try not to let stuff like that bother me. Well, Kale stated, he had a severe allergy to coconuts and suffered an anaphylactic shock moments after he took a sip of this coffee. Well, Nina's hands covered her mouth. Oh my goodness, is he okay? Minka frowned and the girl gasped. Minka's shock, or Nina's shock seemed genuine, so Minka paused before asking, is there any chance you put even a little bit of coconut milk in it? Not at all, Nina denied. Might you have mixed up his order with somebody else's, Kale asked. She shook her head with fervency, explaining, No one's taking coconut milk all day. I have a sealed container, and you're welcome to check my trash and everything for old ones. Well, Kale and Minka did just that, but they came up empty. They even verified that her container was sealed, like she insisted. After Kale concluded the search, he asked the barista one more question. Did you notice anyone nearby who could have tampered with this drink? Nina wrinkled her chin, considering, before she related, I didn't pay much attention, but a woman came over briefly. Lloyd spilled some coffee because he claimed it was too hot, and I think she just wiped up a spot. Can you describe her? Minka inquired. No, I'm sorry, Nina said. Lloyd was hollering at me as I was waiting on another customer, so I couldn't focus. Kale thanked the barista for her time, and Mika extended her a comforting handshake as they left. Back at the tram, Mika and Kale stepped over the body to examine him. Kale gave McKinsey the cup for evidence, and he and Minka pulled on gloves the officer who stayed behind provided. Neither were medical examiners, but they scouted for clues. Minka pictured Lloyd's attack, and her gaze drifted to the handkerchief he held, still laying on the floor next to his feet. She crouched on to grab it and inspected it. She spotted a greasy texture on the edge. 
on a hunch, she sniffed it and verified her suspicion. She drew Kale's attention to it. I think I found our weapon. He leaned in and sniffed. Smells like coconut to me. While Lloyd was cleaning up the mess, Minka said, someone else apparently wanted to make one. Chapter 3, The Hate-Filled Hanky Minka processed the discovery and theorized aloud. That girl Nina mentioned that somebody must have rubbed lotion on this during his tirade. He obviously didn't notice and just tucked it into his pocket. Kale pointed out the tiny clump of product still intact, saying, I'm no expert, but I've never seen a lotion with this consistency. Me either, she agreed, noting the almost buttery appearance. She wished she could collect a sample and feel it, but considering how little there was, she couldn't disturb it. In time, she recognized this substance and proclaimed, It's not lotion. It's coconut oil. Autumn cooks with that. Why would somebody bring it on vacation, Kale questioned. People use it for all kinds of reasons, Minka said. I'm guessing the suspect packed it for skin care, but others take it for health benefits. Some say it helps in weight loss. She didn't admit it to having used it to try to shed some baby weight back when she watched way too many celebrity doctor shows. The nearby officer summoned McKinsey to bring the evidence back, and once he returned, me, once he returned, they carried it to the police office. When they arrived, West stood in the waiting room, finished with his interview. Minka approached him and gave him a hug. After the embrace, he gave them a serious look. You're the detectives, but I don't buy that it was a coincidence for Lloyd to lose his EpiPen right before the critical moment. Well, Minka agreed. Me either, she said. Whoever did this knew about his allergy and where he kept the EpiPen. Well, that narrows it down, Kale said with sarcasm. He announced his condition to the whole plane, and I heard him tell Wes about the shot from two rows away. Minka clued Wes in on the hanky and Nina's observation. Reflecting on the sight of everyone clamoring to get away from Lloyd at the gate, Minka speculated out loud, I could picture the woman that the barista noticed put the oil on the hanky, but could she really pull off taking the EpiPen? She would have had to have gotten pretty close to him. With that many witnesses, I'm not sure she would have taken that chance. Did you see anyone close in on him, Wes? Her husband shook his head, reporting, No one approached us when we were together, but I used the restroom when you and Kayla did. Kale put his hands in his pockets and shifted toward her to stage whisper. I'm afraid we're, I'm afraid we're overlooking a prime suspect, Minx. Who, she asked. My brother, he declared in a serious tone, but she could also detect the mischief in it. He went on, I mean, Wes fits all the criteria. He stayed right by the guy for four hours, maybe more. Just imagine his annoyance. Minka smirked and commented, I wouldn't blame him for snapping. Wes's hazel eyes widened as he made his defense. I like Lloyd. If anybody in this family snapped, it would be Minka. I saw her glare at him after she returned from the restroom. Minka and Kale snickered for the fleeting instant before Kale assumed his position and authority. I doubt Lloyd lost the EpiPen too long ahead of the tram ride. Given his paranoia, he would have noticed it pretty quickly. 
We should look at the surveillance footage and try to find any exchanges he had, especially while Wes wasn't around. Minka repressed her groan, realizing how tedious the task would be in the light of the crowded setting. Even in five minutes of video, they'd have to track his movements through various angles and comb through countless people. It definitely wasn't a part of investigative work she missed. Nonetheless, she realized its value in this case and submitted to it. Autumn wandered over with Kayla, and Wes took the little one in his arms. Minka pecked her a kiss on the cheek. Can we go home yet? Kayla pouted. Not quite, sweetie. Uncle Kayla and I are going to help the sick man, Minka told her. Kayla spread out her arms in curiosity. How? Isn't he dead, Mommy? Wes grinned. What did I tell you about her perception? Minka kissed her small, small hand and took back her phone, which clearly didn't have the desired effect. They strode toward Officer McKinsey's desk to ask to view the surveillance, just as the call sounded over McKinsey's walkie-talkie. At the same time, other security guards raced out of the room. McKinsey gave Minka and Kale the news. A guy just tried to ride outside on the luggage carousel. He says he has to get out of here now or he'll be locked up. But without discussion, the three ran in that direction. When they reached the scene of the commotion, two officers restrained a man as he thrashed. Minka identified him as a guy on the tram who protested Kale's request for them to stay there. Didn't he say something about Lloyd suffering anaphylactic shock, just like he warned, Kale inquired? He didn't seem the least bit sympathetic, even seconds after Lloyd expired, Minka stated. Then she glanced down and spotted a cylinder laying near the luggage carousel the guide tried to ride. Kale, look! Kale followed her over to it and crouched down. Using a, nappy pen, using a napkin, he picked up the device which proved to be an EpiPen. Guess we know why he's so afraid of getting locked up, Minka stated. Chapter 4, The Bachelor Blues Minka and Kale followed the officers who detained Bryce Hinckley to a spare room where they would interrogate him. The whole way, Bryce flailed and fumed, trying to break out of the zip ties around his wrists. You idiots have no idea. I need to get home, he yelled. Kale and Minka stayed calm as they sat down and faced him. Minka allowed a smirk to cross her lips over the grown man's attempt to escape. Well, Mr. Hinckley, you pulled the stunt I feared my four-year-old would. Thankfully, she's more mature than you. I don't have time for jokes, lady, Bryce argued. But did you have time for murder, Kale asked. No, Bryce said, which is why I wish you'd accept that the coconut dude just caught a whiff of it despite his best efforts, and he croaked. Kale presented the EpiPen they recovered, now sealed in an evidence bag. Too bad he didn't have this, huh? Bryce maintained his slump posture, his facial expression unreadable. I wish he had, then I wouldn't be stuck here with you two. We spotted this right beside your getaway carousel, Mika informed the suspect. Did you realize you dropped it? You can't drop something you never touched, he answered. Kale shifted in his seat and stated, We heard you're afraid of being locked up. Could you enlighten us on that? Bryce sighed. My buddies and I went to Jamaica for a bachelor party. My fiancé didn't like the idea because we're getting married tomorrow. 
our rehearsal dinners tonight, so I promised her I'd return last night. Well, I celebrated a little too much, though, and I stupidly stayed another day. I let her believe that I'm home and just needed to catch up on some sleep this morning, but she'll go into a frenzy if I'm not at the rehearsal. Well, Minka found humor in the groom's plight, having worried Wes would do something similar before their wedding. She discerned it amused Kale, too, but he kept on his tough front, telling Bryce, I noticed Lloyd stopped you from ordering that canned pina colada you wanted on the plane. You seemed pretty agitated about it. Minka silently agreed with her brother-in-law, glad he had a better vantage point to the spat. Bryce sat behind her, so she only listened to Bryce's whines while Lloyd barred him from buying the beverage. She didn't recognize his voice at first, but she did now. Bryce shrugged his shoulders, but his glower revealed he wasn't too he wasn't he wasn't too apathetic. I think it means he wasn't too sympathetic. Still, he reasoned, it's probably for the best that I didn't get it. If my fiance smells alcohol on me, she'll be even angrier. Did you interact with Mr. Wells at all after we landed? Minska asked. He shook his head, claiming, I hightailed it out of there as fast as I could. I almost made it on the tram for the ride before us, but the doors closed right ahead of me. Now I regret not taking the outdoor walkway. As Minka contemplated his narrative, a memory occurred to her, which she didn't hesitate to share. Don't I recall that you were holding a coffee cup on the tram? If I'm not mistaken, it bore the same insignia as the one Lloyd had. Bryce blew out air through closed lips, acting exasperated. Yes, we stood in the same line, and yes, the doofus held me up because of his pathetic tantrum about his hot coffee. But I didn't waste time poisoning him or stealing his syringe. I care more about saving my own hide than killing someone else. Did you notice a woman who helped Lloyd clean up his spill? Kale asked. No, I was on my phone with my fiancé, trying to convince her that the crazy guy she heard was a character on a dumb police show. Little did I know I was about to become the cast in one, Bryce groused. Cal requested to search his bag, and he agreed. They uncovered several souvenirs to his bride-to-be, surely wouldn't appreciate, but no sign of coconut oil. Still reluctant to release him, Minka and Kale left the room. They encountered Lieutenant Gus Channing and Kale's current partner, Declan, in the hallway. It's a madhouse around here, Gus stated. I've already put in a call for reinforcements to help with crowd control. You should see the media circus unfolding outside. Kale shook his head, muttering, I don't even want to imagine. Declan nodded toward the makeshift interrogation room and remarked, They say you were questioning a suspect. What's the status on that? His name's Bryce Hinckley, Kale related. He bought coffee at the same stand as the victim, and we recovered the missing EpiPen near Hinckley as he was trying to flee the building. At this point, we only have circumstantial evidence, but we aren't releasing him yet. Have you made any headway on how it ended up in his coffee? Gus inquired. Actually, we determined it wasn't in the coffee, Minka told the two. Someone put a dollop of coconut oil on his handkerchief so that when he inhaled it, the barista who served it to him spotted a woman who may have touched the hanky, so we need to check the surveillance. Declan, you work on the surveillance, Gus ordered. In the meantime, Kale and Minka, you two continue to coordinate efforts on possible leads since you had the front row seat to the crime. Is that all right with you, Minx? Inside, Minka beamed as she affirmed, yes, sir. 
Kale and Minka passed through the waiting area, where Wes sped up to them and declared, Guys, I just remembered Lloyd told me he had a niece on our flight. I bet she's still around and could give you further insight. Did he point her out to you? Minka asked. No, that's the problem, Wes said. She couldn't have been on the tram, and I wouldn't have realized it. You'd think she'd come forward if she witnessed his death, though. Did he tell you why they didn't sit together? Kale questioned. Wes shook his head. He just said he had enough of family for a while. He was in Jamaica for his daughter's wedding, and it didn't go great. Did he say his niece's name? Minka inquired. Wes paused before he snapped his fingers and announced, Colleen! Autumn stood holding Kayla and joined them to say, I met a Colleen in the restroom. She probably took the shuttle ahead of ours. I can help her find, I can help you find her. Chapter five, a family dysfunction. Minka suggested Wes take Kayla to the souvenir shops, which remained open during the lockdown. All of Orlando's theme parks were represented in the shopping area, so it would occupy Kayla for a month if her parents allowed. Minka just held her breath over how expensive the time filler would become. She, Kale, and Autumn scoured the shops for Colleen before they looked in the food court. When they didn't find her there, they strode to the baggage claim. Even if the woman wasn't there, Minka appreciated the reminder to retrieve the bag she and Kayla had shared, with Wes having brought nothing but his backpack. As she endeavored to balance family concerns with the investigation, her sister-in-law made it even harder to focus along their journey. The name Colleen just means Irish girl, but I like it for a middle name. It would be a subtle tribute to my dad's heritage. Maybe Natalie Colleen. What do you think, honey? Autumn asked her husband. Kale kissed her hand. I think I'd like to discuss this when we don't have an angry crowd crushing in around us. With a murderer among them, Minka thought. They located the carousel with their flight number above it, the same one Bryce had stormed. Minka spotted her chocolate brown suitcase immediately, given most of the other passengers already grabbed theirs. Just as she lifted it off the conveyor, she heard her sister-in-law squeal with delight. Autumn pointed to a woman seated on a bench by a window, and Minka recognized her from the restroom too. There she is, Autumn announced, adding, I love her floral kafkan. I wish I bought one for me for when my belly gets bigger, so I won't. Later, sweetie, Kale interrupted her pregnancy bliss and corralled her along. When the trio near here, Colleen glanced up from her book. Autumn waved at her, but let her husband initiate the conversation. Hi, Colleen. I'm Detective Kale Avery, and I work with the Orlando PD. Are you Lloyd Wells's niece? He inquired. Colleen's green eyes turned to confusion as she admitted, Yes, I am. Why do you ask? Trained not to handle delicate subjects in public, he told her, Let's speak privately. Colleen acquiesced, following Minka and Kale back to the police office, while Autumn moseyed toward the stores to find Wes and Kayla. Minka and Kale took Colleen into a room the officers cleared for their use. They offered Colleen some water after she sat down, but her wary expression revealed she surmised that they bore troubling news. Did my uncle cause this chaos? Colleen questioned. In a way, Kale replied. He paused before he informed her he went into an anaphylactic shock while riding the tram, and he didn't survive. We're very sorry for your loss. Colleen held her hand up to her forehead and gasped, Are you serious? 
don't tell me it was from coconut. Minka nodded and related, we found evidence someone speared a little bit of coconut oil on his handkerchief. Colleen leaned back and shook her head as she moves. After he put everyone through a nightmare of trying to stay clear of it, it bites him right here at home. My brother sat beside him on the plane, Kale said. Lloyd mentioned his trip didn't go very well. I assume you were privy to that? Colleen raised her brow. Oh yes, the whole family was. He all but ruined my poor cousin's wedding. When he wasn't whining about coconuts, he was making trouble with my Aunt Eliza, trying to divide loyalties away from her. Did she or any other relatives take the same flight as us? Kale asked. No, Colleen replied. He and I were the only ones who needed to fly on a budget airline. We didn't coordinate our travel plans, though. I think he was just as surprised to see me as I was him. Your brother's a saint, by the way. I noticed how tolerant he was with Uncle Lloyd. I could also see everyone else's irritation building. It was very embarrassing. We all had those moments with family, Minka remarked. Did you happen to witness anyone blatantly seething about him? Colleen pondered it for a second before answering, Not really. Then again, I was trying my best to ignore everything. Did you speak with him after we landed, Kale asked, even just to say goodbye? No, we said our goodbyes at the reception, and that was enough for me, Colleen stated. Then, her eyes grew in discovery, and she interjected, Wait! I did run into my aunt. She took a different flight, but she arrived around the same time. We exchanged a few words, but I'm sure she and Lloyd's cross, paths crossed somewhere along the way. But you didn't observe them at all, Minka clarified. No, and I'm glad I didn't, she said. Those two were at each other's throats the entire trip. She knows about his allergy, I take it, Kale said. Colleen snorted. Absolutely. She often remarked that their marriage would have lasted forever if only he'd protected it like he did his health. Chapter 6. Excuses, Excuses. Colleen showed them a picture of Eliza Sheffield, who'd taken back her maiden name. The airport personnel paged Eliza over the intercom to report to the nearest security guard. Before long, the airport police received a call from a guard in the terminal area. Once again, Mika and Kale hopped into Officer McKinsey's golf cart and scrambled across the complex. The guard who Eliza approached led the pair to a secluded alcove. They found Lloyd's ex busy at work on her laptop, but she set it aside once they reached her. Kale and Minka shook her hand before they filled a couple seats in across from her. The gray-haired woman initiated the conversation. Detectives, if this is about that candy bar in my bag, you have to believe me that I didn't realize I had it until I was on the plane. Customs should have spotted it when they inspected it. No worries, ma'am. This has nothing to do with contraband, Kale replied. She crossed her arms. Then why did you page me? You must realize how unnerving it is in the midst of all this mysterious lockdown. Kale hesitated, seeming to contemplate how to phrase his response. We apologize for your distress. A suspicious death occurred on the tram which triggered the shutdown. A man died because of exposure to coconut. Want to take a guess as to who that would be? A grimace crossed her face, akin to how one would react to discovering a roach in her food. 
She rolled her eyes and remarked, Nothing I do spares me from that man and the misery he causes, even in death. Minka dismissed her plan to express her condolences, determining there was no love lost. Kale withheld his sympathies, too. Instead, Minka continued the discussion with the query, When was the last time you saw your ex? This morning, at my daughter's send-off breakfast. He wasn't even supposed to be there, but he crashed it. My daughter, who was married last night, wanted to thank the family for being part of her big day before we all headed home. Since her father did nothing except aggravate everything, she didn't invite him, but he caught wind of it and showed up. I demanded he leave, but he wouldn't budge unless Amelia said so. Of course, she didn't want to make another commotion. We noticed you two landed around the same time, Kale said, and that your gates were pretty close. Did you catch sight of him today, even from afar? Not a glance, Eliza related. Thus, my cheery spirit. This was her cheery side, Minka said to herself. We caught up with your niece, Colleen, and she told us that you and she spoke. Is that correct? Kale questioned. Eliza shrugged. We just swapped quick greetings. I was at Macaroni Grill getting ready for a meeting on Zoom with my interior design company. I knew it wouldn't make it home on time, so I decided to take it there and grab a bite. Considering what happened, I'm glad I did. How long was your meeting? Minka asked. Almost an hour. I wrapped it up right before my name blared across the airport. Eliza pursed her lips in obvious displeasure. A moment later, she turned the tables of the interview. So Colleen put you on my tail? Minka and Kale exchanged an uncomfortable look. Staying silent, Minka took full advantage of not having a vag. We asked her if any other family members were nearby and she mentioned you. I'm sure there was no malice behind it, Kale stated, employing diplomacy. Eliza smirked and added, well, you might like to talk to her about her relationship with Lloyd. Could you elaborate on that, Minka said. A glint in Eliza's eyes revealed that she liked having the upper hand as she began her narrative. My brother and Lloyd were best friends, so he appointed Lloyd as the executor of his will. Sadly, he and my sister-in-law died in a boating accident, which put Lloyd in that spot. Lloyd managed everything pretty well, except for Colleen's trust fund. She was supposed to have access to it when she reached 25, six years after their passing, but only a fraction of what was in it was left by them. Did you realize he was draining it? Kale questioned. Eliza shook her head. He retired early and some of his purchases surprised me, but I never expected him to steal from our niece. Did Colleen take legal action? Minka replied. Yes, and she won the case, but Lloyd was already broke. The poor thing will never see a penny of that money. Meanwhile, I divorced him, disgusted by his misdeeds, but I couldn't convince Colleen I, I wasn't involved. She assumed I left him to avoid accountability. But she still attended your daughter's wedding, right? Minka asked. You must have made some kind of amends. Well, she and Amelia have remained close despite our rift, Eliza remarked. Nonetheless, I'm not surprised she pointed the finger at me. I don't mean to sound brash, ma'am, but are you pointing the blame back at her? Kale inquired. Eliza straightened her posture and testified, Not at all. I could never imagine her resorting to murder to exact revenge. Then again, I didn't anticipate my husband resorting to embezzlement. Kale didn't bite on the brow-raising comment, but asked for the contact information of her colleagues who were on the Zoom call. He stepped aside and he called them. 
Minka stayed in her place, and her gaze drifted to the wrapper beside Eliza's laptop. Part of the cookie remained inside of it, and her eyes latched onto the logo on the front, the same logo as the one on Lloyd and Bryce's cups. Did you purchase your cookie right after you landed? Minka asked Eliza. Eliza's poker face didn't crack as she replied, No, I bought it while I was waiting on you two. As they say, stress spelled backwards is desserts. Minka regarded the clever comment as out of character for the stern woman and wondered if Eliza was masking her nerves with wit. Nonetheless, Minka had to accept that the interview was over when Kale came back and stated that Eliza's co-workers verified her alibi. As the sleuths rode back to the other side of the airport with Officer McKenzie, Minka mulled over Eliza's thoughts on Colleen, wondering if Eliza threw the allegations out there as payback for her niece's accusations against her, or if she'd given them the lead that they needed to crack the coconut open. All right, Jack. We reached the we reached the deliberation. Okay, so, um, I bet it was the stewardess. <laughs> okay, you want you want the yeah. Let's, let's okay. go with the answer. So let's figure out which nutters are spa- was responsible. My tongue's not really working today. At some points, did you notice that? I noticed. I don't know what's going on, man. Uh, which nut is responsible for cracking grumpy old Lloyd? Here's the list of characters in the order of their appearance, not including our detectives. All right. They didn't do it. Don't try to game it. They didn't do it. But they could have done it. But they didn't. But they could have. But they didn't. But realistically speaking, <laughs> they could have done it. So we have Nina, the barista. The barista. Um, realistically speaking, those detectives probably shouldn't even like be on that case. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie to you. Realistically? If, realistically speaking, aren't they technically suspects? They witnessed the murder. There's no proof saying that they didn't do it. So the county or state or city or airport judge, or I'm pretty sure you have, because the airport is technically international grounds, a murder happening on that would be... a federal jurisdiction? Yeah. Like, you wouldn't just have... Okay, you're, like, getting way off a track here. We're just trying to figure out who killed Lloyd. Who killed Lloyd? That's what we care about. My bad. All right. All right. We have Nina, the barista... Uh, she has a way with her creamers. All right. We have Bryce Hinckley, the soon-to-be newlywed who missed out on his last pina colada. I thought we were taking a detour for a minute to, um, oh, it's not, what's that favorite movie of yours and Victor's? I do not know. The one where the groom disappears. On his oh, The Hangover. The Hangover. That's not my favorite movie. I'm sure my brother loves it. But um, Colleen Sheffield, the niece Lloyd's. The niece that Lloyd mismanaged her trust fund. All right. Eliza Sheffield Knee Wells, Knee Sheffield, a very disgruntled ex. All right. So those are our four suspects. Okay. Here's the clues we have so far. Uh huh. Everyone knew that Lloyd had a severe coconut allergy because he told them. Because he told them. Because he told them. Lloyd was loud, bossy, and generally made everyone around him miserable. What a rude guy. What a rude guy. He caused problems at his daughter's wedding, trying to get family members on his side. Awful. Awful man. Awful man. Lloyd lost most of Colleen's trust fund. She said he embezzled it. He said it was a weak market and not his fault. Uh, I added that last part. (laughs) (laughs) A clump of coconut oil was put on Lloyd's handkerchief, and his EpiPen was missing. Okay. 
His ex-wife did not take the same plane, but was at the same airport at the same time on a video call with coworkers. All righty. His niece did take the same plane, but tried to ignore the fact that her uncle was on it. Mm-hmm. All right. So now's your chance. Who killed Lloyd? Okay. And they're not going to tell me if it was one or two people, but if it's two people, I think it's the niece and Bryce. I think if they had to tag team it, if it was a tag team game, it'd be the two of them. I don't think the wife cares. Like, I think the wife is just done with this shit and wants to be done. And I don't I don't really see what she has to gain from killing him. Okay, so given that, would you then go with the niece, Colleen, if you were picking only one person? Uh, yeah, because Bryce was found with the EpiPen, but he said he it was just there. It was a the, the description was a little bit vague. It was found in the same vicinity as him, so it was found in the baggage hold. Um, it wasn't on his person. It was not on his person. It was on the floor in the general vicinity. We don't know who cleaned up that stain with his handkerchief. We don't know who who that was, but that it was female. It was female. It wasn't the barista. It was not the barista, and it was not Bryce. Obviously, because it was female. So the only Bryce claims he was in line at the time talking to his fiance. Exactly. So it could have been Colleen or the ex-wife. If it was female, it could have been one of those two. Here's the thing. Was he distracted during that? I mean, he was bitching at the barista. He was bitching at him. But wouldn't you notice if your own family member came over Maybe he was with them the whole time. He was with Wes up until the point Wes went into the bathroom. Wes goes into the bathroom. Lloyd goes to the coffee stand. Who's Wes again? Minka's husband. Oh, right. Who's Minka again? The detective. Oh, right. Who's the detective? I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Kale and Minka are the detectives. I feel like it's either Colleen or the wife, and I don't see why the wife would do it. Maybe it's just I wasn't paying enough attention. But I'm going with Colleen. Going with Colleen. I'm going with Colleen. All right, listeners, it's time for you to lodge in your deductions. Comment in whatever app you're listening on or on our podcast site and let us know who you think did it as we go into Chapter 7, The Bumpy Landing. Upon arriving at the main concourse, Minka and Kale discovered people in more of a frenzied state than before. Lieutenant Channing emerged from the swarm, his face red and overwhelmed. He approached them saying, I hate to make the call, but I think we have to open things up. We can take the surveillance back to the precinct and view it there. I'm afraid this crowd may turn violent soon, and our time the FAA gave us is just about to expire. Well, great, Kale replied, conveying Minka's worry. Then our Keller can just fly away. The lieutenant's frown showed his frustration with the situation, but Minka realized he couldn't do much else. Some investigations took weeks, if not longer, and a few offered as many potential suspects as this one. They couldn't hold the airport hostage indefinitely. Kale followed Gus back to the police office, but Minka decided to check on Wes and Kayla. Wes told her via text that they were at a table in the food court, so she meandered that way. All the while, she kept a lookout for Colleen, still grappling with misgivings. To her disappointment, she never spotted her during her trek, and she regretted their decision to release Colleen when they were still holding Bryce. 
She wandered around before they came upon her families at a nearby Chick-fil-A table, where they wore the same ex weary expressions as everyone else. Wes rubbed Kayla's back as she listlessly drew a picture, and Autumn propped her feet on the empty chair beside her, stroking her baby bump. When Minka made it over to them, Kayla spoke for them all. When can we go home, Mommy? Probably soon, if everybody gets their way, Minka sighed. Any arrest, Wes asked. Minka shook her head. We're out of leads and the FAA is out of patience. Talk about a flight risk. Autumn sat up and surrendered the seat next to her, so Minka plopped down. Eliza's words about Colleen echoed through her brain, and she turned to her sister-in-law, asking, Did Colleen seem fidgety to you in the restroom? She seemed a little impatient from what I saw. Well, I agree with that, Autumn said. Since I didn't notice her on the plane, I thought she was on a departing flight at first and supposed she was running late or didn't like to fly. She didn't even go into a stall. She just poked her head in and freshened up her hair a little, I guess. A knot formed in Minka's stomach as she remembered the garbage can being right by the entrance. She inquired, did she throw anything away? I don't think so, Autumn replied. Minka rubbed her aching temples and tried to redirect her focus, acknowledging Kayla's art. What are you drawing, honey? The beach. It's hard when it's just daddy's pen. I wish I had the marker the lady did in the bathroom, Kayla remarked. Which lady, Minka questioned. The one in the flowery dress with Aunt Autumn. The marker in her hand looked like it had different colors, the girl told her. Minka frantically searched for a picture of an EpiPen on her phone and tapped the image of the yellow and orange syringe. She questioned her daughter. Is this the marker? Kayla nodded and pled, can you get me one? We'll buy you a whole new art set, sweetie, Minka promised, showing Wes and Autumn the EpiPen. Wes beamed with pride, saying, there's Mama's perception again. Minka dashed toward the police office. Cal met her halfway there and displayed a tablet to her, commanding, look at this. The surveillance footage showed Lloyd picking up his beverage at the coffee stand. He took a sip before recoiling from the temperature and spilling some of the joe on the counter. He hastily retrieved his handkerchief and wiped up the mess, bawling out Nina. He let go of the hanky during his tirade when Colleen entered the frame. She briefly touched the handkerchief while he was distracted before he stuffed it into his pocket. Lloyd backed away from the counter and noticed Colleen. The uncle and niece shared an awkward hug, after which Colleen dropped her purse. She bent down to pick it up as she gingerly reached toward the pocket to extract the EpiPen. Kale paused it at the critical moment. Kayla saw her holding it in the restroom, Minka declared. We tracked her to the baggage claim. We have to hurry because Gus already issued a go-ahead to lift the lockdown. To lift the lockdown, Kale explained. Well, moments later, an announcement sounded over the loudspeaker relaying the news. The jubilant crowd started to move further, impeding Kale and Minka's path even more. Kale made repeated cries about them being on police business, but nobody listened. Officer McKenzie drove the golf cart behind them, but the people didn't cooperate with him either. Just as they entered the baggage area, the outside door swung open and a mass exodus ensued. Minka's mind raced as she considered how they could detain Colleen. Kale took a chance and headed for the door that led to the parking garage. Minka followed and, once outside, Minka spotted Colleen's colorful caftan right as she put her bags into the trunk of a cab and ducked into the back seat. Over there, Kale, Minka gestured. At last, the chaos worked to their advantage and the road too full of people for the driver to advance. 
Kale caught up to Minka as they hustled to the car. Kale pounded on the rear passenger window and demanded Colleen step out. She opened the door and obeyed his command but played innocent. What is this about, detective? Kale didn't respond but patted her down in her baggy frock. He put his hand in her pocket and immediately slipped out a travel-sized bottle, which he opened. He sniffed its contents and declared, Smells like coconut oil to me. The woman's face hardened into a defiant scowl, and she exclaimed, My loser uncle only made everyone miserable. Nobody will miss him. Kale called for Gus and the airport officers to make a proper arrest. After they arrived, Minka and Kale retreated inside to find their family. Minka nudged him, smiling as she joked, So I'm guess you won't name the baby Colleen? You were right, Monsieur Jacques. It was Colleen. It was Colleen, and Lucy was so excited. Our dog was so excited, you could almost hear her just whining in the background. Well, waiting. no, I, th- I think they must have had canines at the airport. I, yeah. Because, you know, they was, were probably sniffing yeah, out. Yeah, the police dog, I right? think I think they were police dogs, and they were sniffing out the EpiPen, because right, I'm Lucy. sure dogs can smell whatever it is that's in it that I can't remember yeah, at this moment. Yeah, our Black Lab Great Dane mixture thing. That's She's what got a uh, great super sniffer. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway. what did you think? I think I called it. I also think the deliberation was stupid. <laughs> oh, my God. You know how they figured it out? My yeah. daughter said something about an EpiPen. Then we looked at the security footage we should have looked at in the first place. You knew that somebody tampered with the handkerchief, and you waited to look at the security footage we'll for wait, that? Wait, we'll wait, 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 wait. they in, unlocked the air- No, there's no wait, wait. What is that bullshit? In Karina's defense... There's no defense, you dumbass. No, it was me who inserted the deliberation where I did, because if I waited, (sighs) the whole thing unraveled and you couldn't have guessed who it was. Did you write this one? I I write all the deliberations. I didn't write the story. Karina did. All right. I kind of forgot about that. I completely. You're right. Karina. Karina, I have my issues. (laughs) Weren't they looking at security footage earlier? Not. Yes. No, no, you have no excuses. No, they were. They they sent Declan to go look at it. Uh-huh. So while while Minka and Kale, so Declan didn't know where to look. They were looking at all the footages, trying to figure it out. Once they found it, that's when they ran and told her who found it. I thought Declan was supposed to wait. I'm he confused. was reviewing the footage, and he uh-huh. was working with Kale when Minka went to talk to her husband and her daughter. All right. So the two split. All right. So Kale talks to Declan, and Declan says, hey, I got it. So then Kale runs to Minka. Minka's like, hey, Colleen had the EpiPen, so she runs to Kale. So they meet in the middle, and they're both like, I know who did it. But I couldn't put the deliberation after that, because you know who did it. I, I, okay, okay, okay. Fine. <laughs> fine. No, sure, makes sense. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> I don't know why you're bitter. You were right. I think the thing that pisses me off, I'm always going to find something to get mad at. <laughs> He's you have phones, like don't you? You have walkie-talkies. You, th- I, they had to run to find each other? They couldn't have called each other and been like, yo, guess what I found? You are really going into the details. I again. am going to go into the details. There is always <laughs> something you could have done better. You are so far in the weeds, you look up to ants. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll the always, point was, I'll who killed something. Lloyd? That was the only point, who killed Lloyd? Yeah, and it was Colin. Colleen. Colin. Colleen. Irish girl. The Irish girl. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, I, that was a pretty good story. I um, 
I said, I don't know why you're bitter. You got it right. I got it right. <laughs> no, I'm not bitter because I got it wrong. I'm bitter because of how it was executed. And I clearly wasn't paying enough attention to realize that those two activities were happening simultaneously, uh, not separately. Well, not you get a buy because you're like playing the piano at the yeah, same time. I didn't realize those were happening at the same time. They were time. happening simultaneously. And you know what? There weren't a whole lot of clues for us as the listener to really zone in on. Like, we know that there's the EpiPen. It really doesn't explain whether Colleen was the one who carried the EpiPen. Like, why didn't she throw it away in the bathroom? Yeah, why is it just lying in the airport? Maybe she just dropped it down there. I mean, that is definitely... Uh, Where was it? Like, do we know how far away it was found from the place she stole it from? It would be very far because it was found in, in the baggage handling or yeah, in the baggage claim. They just She just threw it somewhere? Maybe dropped it? Maybe dropped it. Doesn't it. explain how it was disposed of, but it's a weird place to be found. Right. They did find Colleen, if you remember, sitting down in baggage claim. She was sitting underneath the window. Oh, maybe she got rid of it at that point. But it wasn't found in a garbage can. It was just sort of found on the ground. But so. didn't they search garbage cans? So it would have made sense if they found it in one. Yeah, but I don't remember detail going in about them searching garbage cans. No, just I thought that someone they said found that they it. should search the garbage can when Bryce I mean honestly if Bryce hadn't tried to escape they probably would have never gone down there to even find the EpiPen why did he try to ex escape because he thought he was going to be convicted no because he was going to be late for his rehearsal dinner and his fiance was going to kill him i.e. leave him and then so yeah oh my god what don't marry that bitch then if this girl's <laughs> going to be like Really? Your uncle died? Your uncle-in-law died no, at the Bryce, airport? No, Bryce isn't related to Lloyd. Whatsoever? Whatsoever. They just happen to be on the same plane? They just happen to be on the same plane. Still, if your bitch of a fiancé is like, I don't care that someone died on the tram that you were on, you need to be at this rehearsal dinner. <laughs> leave her! I think if he was, she's going to leave you over that crap. He was trying to cover his ass because he was supposed to be back the day before. Oh. And he partied too hard, so he was trying to sneak back into town. His fiance thought he was at home, just like you know, showering and getting ready, not sneaking back into the country. I gotta say, sometimes my criticisms don't work out after you explain them. <laughs> <laughs> I get a little too passionate over something I'm about to be wrong over. Anyway, <laughs> it's happened like three times in this episode. I'm well, just like I what said, what the heck? And you're like, no, nah, that's not. Oh, yeah, you get sense. a buy because you're like playing the piano. It, it would be interesting to have if you, Kira Jacobs or somebody comes back who uh -huh. could really listen. And then she was just like, Jack, what the hell are you talking about? No, I, I would be interesting to hear somebody else's comments. That's why I hope people put comments about mm -hmm. what you thought as you were unraveling this mystery. Like I said, I'm always in awe at how well you do listen for playing a piano like throughout this entire thing. Well, I get a lot of my information from your explanation. If you yeah. hadn't, if you didn't do those, I really would just be blindly guessing every time. And I probably get half the names wrong. I would accuse detectives just because they're the only names I remember. <laughs> well, I think when we did the last couple of seasons, you did do that. And it's actually why I've grown to do these. But it yeah. turns out to be pretty handy. Because, I mean, I know for myself, it would be awesome when it comes to a point to have, it's not like I read books and have a, a piece of paper next to me writing down all the suspects and who they are. Yeah. So the, the one thing that I don't do great at sometimes is I really try when I do the deliberations to pull out the clues. Uh-huh. Well, sometimes it's not until we're doing these live and I'm like, I missed that clue. Oh. Like when we well, did. Well, sometimes it's like 
yeah, but if you had said that clue, it would be very clear who did it. Yeah, but still, that's, but that's up to part of the point. Like when we did uh, GTA Pennsylvania, uh-huh. and I missed that there were tracks in the dirt. Yeah. I just totally missed it until we did it live and we got to that point and I'm like, oops, <laughs> that but was on me. <laughs> to be fair, the tracks in the dirt were pointing to a mystery that was slightly un... It wasn't the one that our detectives were going after. Right. It was going after the wheelchair guy. But once you got to the end and you're like, well, that's well, what yeah. the tracks meant. Yeah. So in the book version, I did go in and make that correction. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> It's they're not my stories, but everything in the deliberation, right, wrong or indifferent. That's Mm me. So. All right. Well, let's learn a little bit more about Karina Bartow. So Karina grew up and still lives in northern Ohio, Uh, though born with cerebral palsy. She never allows her disability to define her. Rather, she's used her experiences to breathe life into characters who have physical limitations, but like her, are determined to not let them stand in the way of life and what they want. Her works include Husband in Hiding, Brother of Interest, Forgetting My Way Back to You, and Wrong Line, Right Connection. She may only be able to type with one hand, but she writes with her whole heart. Check out Karina at Karina Bartaw. Dot com. The link is in the show notes. Isn't that incredible, Jack? She wrote this entire story typing with one hand. He's playing with two hands right now, hence no conversation. Here's the wrap-up. So this wraps up this episode of Mysteries to Die For. Please do support our show by subscribing, telling a mystery lover about us, and giving us a five-star review. Check out our website, tgwolf.com podcast, for links to the season's authors and their stories. Mysteries to Die For is hosted by T.G. Wolf and Jack Wolf. A Shuttle to Trouble was written by Karina Bartok. Music and production are by Jack Wolf. Episode art is by T.G. Wolf. All right, Jack, the floor is yours, or the airport terminal. <laughs>